Well, it's my privilege to pick up the baton after a flying start from Richard last week. We, Fuss and I were in Northern Ireland uh, praying for some ministering and stuff like that. And, uh, and Richard launched this series on Connect last week. And I, I just loved it. I, I laughed out loud at that little, little throwaway line of his where he said, I don't want to be wealthy, just rich enough to know that money doesn't buy happiness. I just thought that was, I thought that was, that was very funny. I'm going to use that ruthlessly and claim it as my own. Okay, so I am uh, picking up the baton, and this series, this sort of subtitle of the Connect series is called Becoming, and today I'm going to be talking about Becoming One. So why don't we pray, and then we'll get straight into God's Word. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you for your great love and great mercy, that you have provided a way for us to come home, and that, Lord God, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the carpenter from Galilee, Jesus, the rabbi teacher, Jesus, the lamb of God, Jesus, the crucified one, Jesus, the risen one, is the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just make the words I speak now just flow and in the very center of your will and that you will teach us and minister to us and lift up Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. So if you have a Bible with you or a smart device, or it will come up on the screen, why don't you turn with me please then to Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47. What we're gonna do is we're gonna start by looking at the early church and what they did. And what they did straight off was what came naturally. This just seemed to come naturally to them. And, and, and today, unfortunately, what they did in the early days, the first few weeks, as it were, of the new church, what came naturally to them does not come naturally to us. And there's a number of reasons for that. One of them, to be honest with you, is our culture. Our culture breeds a kind of independence, an independent spirit. We don't have you know, c- community in the way we did. It's, it's not the way we do life. We take responsibility for ourselves or hope that we do. And we hope our kids do. And we train our kids to sort of take responsibility and all that kind of thing. And it all actually works against what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do through the church. So we're going to be looking at that. So let's just sort of pick up a few little pointers here. Let's read it then. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. And it says, They, the early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. An exciting period of time this. This is before all the persecution uh, comes upon them uh, and, and before that very persecution drives them out into the four corners of the world to sow the seeds of the gospel wherever they go. But this is a kind of a brief honeymoon period and there they are in the temple courts doing what comes naturally. And there are a number of things that we could say uh, they were doing but I just want to draw three out and, and, then, and then unpack it a little bit more. First of all, 
It's clear that they were a people of the word, a people of the word, verse 42. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, please let's understand what that means. It doesn't mean that they just did endless Bible studies. You know, we, we do Bible studies, and we do Bible studies well, and I've always enjoyed being part of a Bible study, and I enjoy that whole kind of thing. But when, the, when we're talking about you know, a, a biblical way of doing the Bible, being a people of the word, we mean so much more than reading a Bible and studying it, you know, daily bread or every day with Jesus or scripture union notes or whatever it is we do. It is so much more than that. When the Bible talks about people being a people of the word, it means that they don't just study it in order to know God's heart and his will and his passion, but they are doers of God's word. They are doers of it. And that's often where we have a disconnect. We, we study, we may be full of head knowledge, but we don't, we're not doers of that word. And the danger of that is that we become so much like the old Pharisees and teachers. They knew God's word. Boy, they studied it from, from knee high to a grasshopper. They knew the law of Moses, but did they do it? No, Jesus had hard words for them to say because they did not do it. They did not understand the spirit of it. They did not realize it was to be applied and worked through. And so as a people of the word, we need to be studying God's word, not just to get the information, but to be, un- to be able to understand how to do God's word. In fact, you know, Jesus tells a parable which, uh, uh, in, in Luke 13, beginning at verse 6, and he talks about a fig tree that was in a, a vineyard. And uh, this fig tree looked really fine and bushy. It put on a good show. But when the master of the, the owner of the vineyard came along, he looked at this fig tree and, and there was no fruit on it. Now, now, many of you will know that fig trees are, are curious things because on any, at any given time, there will be this year's fruit forming, but there's also next year's fruit forming. They're very slow in the way they develop fruit, so there's always two crops there. And as you pick one, so the other one, you know, the year after begins to develop. It's a fascinating thing. There is always some evidence of fruitfulness, but not on this tree, not on this tree. In three years, it says, you know, the, the master, the owner of the vineyard came and looking for fruit, and there was nothing there. Lots of show and all the rest of it, but anyway, he lost patience with it. And he said to the sort of manager of the vineyard, he said, cut that thing down. He's just taking up space, a waste of time, you know. And the manager kind of interceded, and in, in this case, I think we could say it's Jesus interceding on our behalf, in, you know, because of a, you know, to, to intervene when our lives are fruitless. And he's intervening, and the manager intervenes, and he says to the owner, he says, listen, listen, please, 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 master, master, okay, fair dues. Just, just let, me, let, me, let me dig around the roots. Let me kind of break up that concrete-like soil there. Let me kind of you know, get it all kind of uh, aerated. Let's get some air into that thing. Let's get some water into that thing. And then it says that the, the manager says, and then, then let's get some fertilizer. Let's, you know, let's, let, just let's give it a little bit, a bit more time. And then, and then yes, let's give it another year. And then, master, if you come back again next year and there's no fruit, cut it down, be done with it. But please, you know, well, the church of Jesus Christ in the West in particular has got lots of show. We've got every imaginable this, that, and the other, but there's so little fruit so often. And so the first thing that we need to understand about being a people of the word is not that just that we make time to study, but actually we apply it and we begin to live it out and work it out. And that's not an easy thing to do. We need help. We need to connect with one another. And that's what... what, connect groups are about. It's a safe place, a safe place to connect with God and connect with other people. So the first thing that they were doing was that they were a people of the word. The second one was that they were a people who pressed on in into God's presence. 
you know, that communion, that sharing, breaking bread thing, that thing that Jesus gave them. It's all about the presence. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. It's all about being in the presence of God. It's the presence. It's not the bread or the wine. Is it a Chardonnay or is it a this or is it a nice red loaf or is it a wafer? That's incidental. That's just mechanics. It's about pressing into the presence of God and, and taking him into ourselves. These people, this early church, they did what came naturally and it was natural for them to press on into the presence of God. We love the presence of God here. That's why we spend you know, 25, 30 minutes at these services and elsewhere. Pretty much everything we do is, is sort of you know, dressed up in worship in some way. And, and what we do in our worship is, is we tend to sing songs that take us to the Father. They, they're not just singing, you know, sort of rah-rah songs, you know, kind of, you know, battle songs or songs about God, you know, or good ideas or let's do this. or that. They're about coming into the Father's presence because we, thank God, are it's part of our genetic code, are a people of the presence. And that we do share with the early church. Thank God for that and long may that be the case. So they were a people of the presence. They pressed into God's presence. They were a people who prevailed in prayer. And as I said earlier on, one of the things that we've been learning among many over this last six months, you know, it's, it, it is funny, and I, honestly I can say this is the truth. At the beginning of the year, when, when we were thinking that this was gonna be the year that we were gonna do a big push for a new building, that we, we understood right at the beginning, and thank God we did, we did that this was going to be a, an opportunity for us to grow, to grow deeper in our faith. And we have learned a lot about prayer. We've learned a lot about prevailing prayer, and certainly in the new year, we're gonna be summarizing some of those lessons and, and teaching another series that will take us deeper on this journey into prevailing prayer. It's not just about prayer, oh God, give me a parking space. It's about, it's biblical prayer based on scripture, scripture that giving, gives us a language so that we can come to God. And, and, and this was something that was so familiar to the early church. As you read through these first few chapters of Acts, they, keep to, they seem to keep having a prayer meeting at the drop of a hat, you know, but it's not prayer meeting at 7.30. They will stop everything they do and they will pray. Acts 4, Acts 4. There's a prayer meeting in response to the, the threats that have been made against them. When they, 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 you know, Peter and John, they're, they're released from, he, uh, from, from jail and, and what happens? They, they cry out to God, oh God, give us boldness. You know, in the face of all these threats, not, oh God, protect us. Oh God, give us a safe journey out of town. Oh God, help me to hide from these people who are persecuting. It's, oh God, give us boldness to talk about Jesus. Let us not be intimidated. Let us not be sort of set back. So different to so much of my concerns and I, I dare say many of our concerns. Oh God, let it all go away. Let it all be nice today, please God. You know, it's not like that. You know, it's about, oh God, give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus and press on into God's presence and his purposes. Wonderful things to learn. So these are a number of things. and Of course we could go on, but the one I really want to measure that really want to sort of draw your attention to is that time and again in this short passage, it emphasizes the fact that in all things and every way, they were a people who were together. They did it together. They did it together. And if there's one thing that is more countercultural, more upside down than the way we do Christianity in the West, it's this simple thing. You know, so often, so often a Christian's faith is a very private thing. You know, yes, I'm a believer, but, but it's not something I sort of talk about. 
It's something I keep to myself. I, I've been reading a little C.S. Lewis devotional, and in it there's little excerpts from various writings of C.S. Lewis, wonderful thing. And there's a few, few little excerpts from the uh, screw tape letters. And the old wise demon says to the younger apprentice demon about his new charge, who was a Christian, the old wise demon says to the younger demon, he says, oh, he's become a Christian. Oh, he's going to prayer meetings. Oh, he's going to Bible studies. Oh, what a nuisance. No, 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 don't despair. No, don't despair. We'll just work and ensure that he doesn't tell anybody about it. Fine, no problem. And I thought, ooh. Because the number of prayer meetings, the number of Bible studies that, that Christians in this country must have done, but nothing has come out of it. There's been no application. It's not changed their life one jot. It's enough to go and do a prayer meeting. It's enough to go and do a Bible study or whatever. If the enemy can keep us confined in busyness around our religious activity, fine. As long as we don't do it out there. And what has happened in the West, we've got ever more internalized and more personal and more private in our faith. That is counterculture. The early church did what came naturally. It was natural to live in community. This wasn't an issue for them. You know, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm delighted to say we're going to have Pastor Samuel, uh, our dear partner in India, coming to visit and just to speak with us one Sunday, just come passing through. And, uh, you know, we've been working with them for years and years and years. We've, you know, we've built orphanages and community centers and goodness knows what with them. We've had a great joy and privilege. When we've taken teams out, thing, uh, out there, one thing that you realize is that they don't have any issues or problems with this community about being together. They are together the whole time from dawn till dusk. They, that's the way the culture in India works. The culture in the West is different. Felicity and I, we're, we're trying to move house at the moment. We're sort of beginning at the journey of that. We've, our house is on the market. So if anybody wants to buy a three-bedroom house in Hatfield, let us know. <laughs> Want to buy a house? And, and we've put an offer in our house in Dunstable. And, and, and actually, it, it's just, you know, we love it, and we're excited about it, and we're thinking about it, and we're hoping that all is going to happen. But the house we're moving to is, is, is almost, you know, it's just like the society we live in. It's detached, you know, it's got a nice little plot of land. It's all very neat, neck curtains and all the rest of it. You know, the neighbors sort of nod at one another, but no more. God forbid that we should infringe. God forbid that the, the dog should bark too loud, or, you know, I should leave my dustbin on the street for 40 seconds longer than it should be. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. You know, you know that's about as much as we do community. You know, we, we hide away, and that's why we're trained, and we, wanna, we raise our kids to stand on their own two feet quite rightly. I'm not saying this is wrong. All I'm saying is that it's become a national obsession and it works against us. No wonder our society is so fragmented. And I'm just talking about the UK. I'm not talking about Europe because we don't do community. They do in other parts of the world. And this is what the early church did and it came naturally. We have got to learn that this is not God's heart. He refers to us as the body of Christ. He is the head we are his hands and feet. Time and, and, and again, he talks about us being together, not just in this passage. Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered together, I am in the midst of them. Now, when you're a follower of Jesus, you know, Christ comes to dwell within you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know, there's lots of scripture like that. Christ lives within us. That's one of the great joys 
Actually, Scripture talks about it as being one of the mysteries, one of the things that the old-time prophets did not understand that that was what was on the Father's heart to do, that when you become a Christian and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit dwells within you. You don't leave him behind here when you leave this place. As a follower of Jesus, he goes with you and within you, and that wherever you are, you can have fellowship with Jesus. You can ask the Holy Spirit for help and guidance, and we all know that, and we rejoice in that. We celebrate that. But Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. There's something else, a new dynamic. There's God within us, but together he is in the midst of us. That's why you cannot do Christianity on your own. That's why it doesn't work. It's not designed to work like that. It really isn't, you know. As you know, I've got you know, a bit of a thing about old, old cars, and you know, even with an old car, you know very quickly if there's something wrong, because if all the bits aren't there, it doesn't work. It's very honest, you know, new cars, something breaks, and who knows what's going on, it's all about computers and stuff, but old cars, you can work it out, you know, and it's very simple. Every bit has to be there playing its pace. If you do not enter into Christian community, folks, it's the body that's the poorer, you know, you, who knows what gold is in you? Who knows what gold is in you, which we are being denied of because you're, you've been trained or you didn't know or nobody ever told you or you've been subject to bad teaching or something like that, that you, you thought it was all about just oh, turning up on a Sunday and, and, oh, I didn't realize that. It's not about that. That's why, you know, groups, connect groups are so important, a safe place where you can connect with God and connect with one another. Folks, I want to say this is not an option. I, I don't know how to do Christian life without something like a connect group. We've called them kinships, small groups, home groups, whatever. I don't know what we've called them, life groups. We're calling them connect groups, but do not be, do not be kidding. You know, we, we've worked hard at this for eight months, Richard, under Richard's leadership, and with Mark assisting him and other members of the team as, as needs be, we have completely, from the, the bottom up, rebuilt our connect groups in a way that is, that is appropriate for the 21st century. The kinships that we used to have in the 80s that Felicity and I led and multiplied, they will not work in that fashion in the 21st century. It's different. So we've had to really take a long heart and we've consulted with you and we've done surveys and we've looked at, at um, you know, we've talked to the leaders and stuff. And so we have these connect groups because being together is so important. And as we are together, something wonderful begins to happen. It's the new community of the kingdom. It's the church of Jesus Christ, which one day is gonna be glorified one day is going to be most perfectly you know, resemble Christ himself. And, and God has said he will be glorified in the church. And that's not, you know, it's not us striving. He said, one day I will, my son Christ will be glorified in the church. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. God is able to do far more than we hope and imagine and in the church. And he will be glorified. It's, it's just an extraordinary thing. It's his heart, his dynamic. And you think, the church? Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't mind God, but I have a bit of a problem with the church. I only came here today because a friend brought me. Sheesh, you know. But actually, the truth is, the reality is that you coming here together, you've done something prophetic. You didn't even know it. Well, maybe you did. You've done something prophetic. Coming together, what we're doing is, is modeling, beginning to model, as it were, the first fruits. There's that fig tree image again. Of being, of being the new community of the kingdom. And in this new community of kingdom, we turn everything upside down. It's an upside down kingdom. It is very counterculture in that sense. It's revolutionary in that respect. 
You know, it's a safe place to connect with God and to connect with others. A safe place to learn how to pray for others, to minister to others. A safe place to hear the word of God and discuss your, 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 your anxieties, discuss your problems, discuss your, your, your questions. Get support when you go for that job interview. You know, get knowing that people are standing with you. It's a way place we do family. It's a safe place. And in every family, there are spats and difficulties and all the rest of it. But the reality is, it's a safe place. A safe place to connect with God and to connect with others. It's a place where no one stands alone and everyone's coming alive. No one stands alone and everyone's coming alive. Now, can I just say something to you about that? Fliss and I, we were in coastal, uh, Causeway Coast Vineyard last Sunday. Great, great church. Oh my, if I was over there, I would go to that church. Absolutely fabulous. It's a vineyard church, exciting, dynamic ministries. We heard the, the preacher, not the senior pastor, but a preacher that week, a guy called James Rennie. He got up and he talked about, an, an issue not too distant from this actual one, but, but during it, he said something we said. He said, you're all the welcome team. Yeah, we have a welcome team, but, but you're all the welcome team. If you are here, you know, turn and welcome somebody. Don't let people stand alone. Don't let people come in here, have a bun, have a coffee, sing a worship song, hear some Bible, and then go away without having said hi to anybody. You are all part of that. And I'm talking to the introverts as well. You know, don't, you know, surround yourself with others rather than stand alone. If you have an introvert nature, if you don't like sort of reaching out, fine. But don't just do nothing. Don't just do nothing. We are called, and this is overriding over you know introvert extrovert racial cultural whatever we are called to be together and to reach out to one another his hands his feet you may have the gold that that other person who's standing alone and a newbie here needs you may be the answer to their prayers does it mean that they're going to come and live with you for the next 16 years maybe maybe not probably not but just being a friend, just sort of connecting, so that next time, next week, when you come in and you see that same person there, they've got one person they can nod at and sort of say hi, and maybe end up sort of sitting closer to one another. You know, th this is about how we break down these walls that separate us and are so much a part of our culture. These culturally ingrained things, the way we were raised, the way our teachers said, the way our, our family were, the, the way the, 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 it functioned. We need to struggle and fight to get back to, be, to that together mentality, to connecting one another with one another. This safe place where we can connect with God and connect with others. It's a place where we can learn to love. You know, that's one of my little favorite expressions. We've used it for many years, a little axiom, if you like. We learn to love. You know, Jesus said, you know, love one another. It's a command, an imperative. It's not, it's not oh, by the way, you know, while I'm away, be nice to one another, play nicely. He's not saying that. He's saying love one another. But the reality is that anyone who's tried to love anyone, I mean, loving Fliss is easy. For Fliss to love me, that's hard, you know. Did I get that right, right way? Phew, that's a relief. If I got it around the other way, I'd be in trouble, you know. But, but you know, anyone who's been in any long-term relationship, one-on-one, -on -one, will know that there are challenges. There are heydays and holidays and high days and all the rest of it. And then there are days when it's hard work, you know, and you do think, what have I let myself in for? What is going on here? 
But you know, in a successful marriage and in, in a successful relationship of any kind, a partnership, business partnership, you know, I, when I was in business, I had a business partner. We were very, very difficult. He was a chronic introvert, funnily enough, talking about the introverts, extrovert thing. And I'm rather more extrovert, you know, but we got on so well together because we began to learn how one another was. We learned when to speak. We learned when to shut up. We learned when to give in. We learned when to press our point. You learn how to love. When we were in Coleraine this last weekend, we went to a wedding on the Saturday for some doing the prayers there with the Mumfords and a dear, fam, a dear couple were getting married and, and uh, the preacher there gave a wonderful talk about, uh, about marriage and, and about love and he says, you know, love is crafted and I love that because Hollywood would have it and you've heard me say this before that it's, an, it's just a kind of a warm, fuzzy, wuzzy feeling. You know, you put a bit of a soft focus on the thing, you get a few roses in there, you get some soft music, nice meal, a bottle of wine, love happens. It's not like that, it's not like that. Love is tough. Love sent Christ to the cross, love held him on the cross. Love is tough, but it's worth fighting for it because the Bible tells us that three things will remain, love, faith, and hope. And of these, love is the one that'll come through in the end. Love will be the thing that will carry us on into eternity. This is worth fighting for. If you're wondering, if you're wanting a campaign, if you're wanting to press into something, press into love, because that is what is gonna last. So it's worth learning to love one another. And in connect groups, that's what we do. Some days you'll just love them all. Other days you'll think, oh, I'm not going back there again. But folks, you've gotta push through that. You know, nothing grieves me more, and sadly, this does happen from time to time. You know, I'm not gonna mention names because it just would be ridiculous and unfair and, and, and not good. But you know, um, very often I find that, that with, with, with new Christians, we have a lot of new Christians coming to this church. You know, they'll do great, and then somebody will fall out with somebody, and then one of them stops coming, and then I say to one of the staff members in our staff meeting on a Wednesday, I say, what's happened to Fred? You call him Fred. I haven't seen Fred around. They usually, because, you know, they usually sit there or there or wherever it is they sit. And I said, I haven't seen him for a while. And they said, ah, hmm, interesting you should say that. Yeah, I was talking on the phone the other day. They had a bit of a fallout with Ronnie, and um, so they're not coming at the moment. It breaks my heart. I wish it was just new Christians, but it isn't. It really isn't. You know, the enemy comes in and he sows seeds of dissent and dissatisfaction and all the rest of it, and we don't get over it. We, we, we struggle with it, you know, and occasionally, sometimes on the best of occasions, you know, they'll share those difficulties with us as pastors. Hybels, actually, Bill Hybels, in, in his opening address at the GLS on Friday, I don't want to spoil it all, but he does tell this story, which is actually kind of amusing because it kind of holds up a mirror to us. He says, when people come and they've fallen out with others, you know, he'll, he'll listen to them and they'll say, well, yeah, you know, okay, well, fair enough, yes, I have fallen out with Ronnie and, and Ronnie did this and Ronnie did that and didn't do that and didn't do the other and then I said this and he said that and to be honest with you, we're not speaking to one another and I, don't, I can't bear to be in the same room. And so Bill says, Bill Hybel says, I just listened to this and at the end of it all, he says, what I usually say is just one word and it works a treat, but I'm not gonna tell you that now. Oh, no, one word, and it works a treat. And he says, uh, he says, he listens to all of this, and, and he listens very carefully, doesn't interrupt. And when they finally run out of steam, and they poured out the whole story, all, all its ins and outs, and all its glorious dysfunction, he'll go, really? That's why he's not coming to church now? Really? Really? And of course, it got a laugh when he did it. But you know what? I laughed as a pastor because honestly, really? Christ hung on a cross to bring reconciliation. 
And he forgot, and, and Ronnie forgot to pick up Fred and left him standing in the rain at a bus stop and now you're not talking and now you're not coming to church and it's got one, what, really? And when somebody holds up a mirror, you just think, oh boy, it does seem a bit stupid now, you know. The enemy takes these things and builds it up and we start running scripts. What often happens is that, I find, is that, that people have, have assumed that a particular action means something. Yeah, well, he didn't do that, so he can't love me, can you? He must be thinking that I'm so-and-so, and, then, and, and I'm not doing this, and I know, what he's, I know the way he is, and he says, you know, he's obviously made up his mind that I can't do this, this, and so. Well, that's a script. Get it? You've just given a script to somebody. You don't know whether any of that's true, because he's not talking to them. You've just made the script up and put it in their mouth. Reality is, when you come back together, it's probably completely different. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, but my wife was having a baby so I couldn't stop and pick you up and you were left in the rain. Whatever, I mean, that's a silly reduction. But you know what I mean? Really? We cannot let these things divide us anymore. It's one of the glories of the enemy that he so easily fractures and divides the church of Jesus Christ. It's not meant to be that way. We must do that which comes naturally and it is natural for us to be together That is what's natural. Sure, it's challenging, difficult, and exhausting at times, but other times it's glorious. You know, many of you will know that for 25 years I've walked around Verilamian Park um, uh, praying, what have you. Uh, And uh, during those times I've had many encounters with God and elsewhere, but the best times I have ever had have always been amongst the body of believers. You know, I have seen angels, I kid you not, when I've been on my own. I've heard the, the audible voice of God on two occasions. Amazing, fabulous, extraordinary. But the best times I have ever had in my walk with Jesus is when I've been amongst the people of God, connected in a small group or big group or conference group, when we've been together. And the ones I covet the most, the ones I cherish the most, and, you know, and God forbid I ever lose all my faculties, but I hope the last thought that leaves my mind as I begin to go completely gaga is, that, is the remembrance of those times when, it was, when I was amongst the company of believers and it felt as if the roof flew off and it felt as if the walls flew away and it felt like we were in amongst a great company of angels lost in wonder, love, and praise. Those for me are the true pearls of my life. And I kid you not. I kid you not. And they could only ever happen because you were there and Christ was in our midst. It's a place where we can learn to love. It's a place where we look for the favor rather than failure in others. You know, once Fliss said to me, and I thought it was terribly harsh at the time, but she said to me many, 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 many years ago, I have to say, she said, Chris, Stop being so judgmental. And I reacted to that with a certain amount of heat and emotion. (laughs) Judgmental? I'm not judgmental. And such was the heat with my response. I thought, whoa. She looked at me, really? (laughs) Really? And I'm bearing this heat and I go for my walk around the park and I'm thinking about it and reflecting on it, and I think, gosh, I am. She's right. She's right. You know, I've I, I got to deal with that. It's so easy to look, you know, to take up that position, the high ground, the moral high ground, the Christian high ground, the, the holy high ground where you're looking at others and you're judging them. I mean, that's just one of many, many besetting sins that we can be subject to. But what we've got to le- do as well as to learn to love is to start looking for 
not just at, at our failures, but the favor. Every single one of you is a daughter of Christ, a daughter of God, a daughter of the Father. Every single one of you is a son with an inheritance. That's what Christ hung on that cross to do, to make you that person. You will never experience the the fullness of that, the favor of that, the gold of that, the comfort of that, the safety of that, if you are disconnected. Get into your connect groups. Go to the booth afterwards, find out about it. If you, if you used to lead a connect group here or life group or kinship even, what we used to call them in the early days, if you used to do that, talk to Richard. Let's get the gang together. Let's, we need, it's all hands at the deck. We've got to do this before the, the enemy just has a field day among us. And last of all, as we learn to love one another, Jesus said, as you love one another, this imperative, this command, the world will know that you are my disciples. What happens in community, what happens in connection is not for ourselves, it's for the world. It's for the world. Connect groups are a bit like the anchor end of a springboard. The anchor end of a springboard. I don't know about you, but I I, I do find myself enjoying You've been framed. Does anybody know the program that uh, I, I just fall about laughing? It's all these bloopers where people you know, at home have taken these photographs. And over the years, I must have seen several of, of these, these ones where people get onto a, the end of a springboard and they bounce up and down and then it snaps at the end or the, 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 the anchor and they end up falling into the, uh, into the swimming pool. There was one I saw last night where while a chap was asleep, he was fully clothed, sleep, on a, 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 a you know, sleeping sunbed, and somebody came along and glued his shoes, slip-on shoes on the floor just beside the pool. So of course he gets up, he gathers his, his paper, he's fully clothed, he goes and he slips his feet in the shoes, and of course they don't move. So he slipped <laughs> everything and stayed in the pool. I love that. Okay, I thought just my sense of humor. I thought it was hilarious myself. The thing about a springboard though, it has to be anchored at one end. Anchored at one end. And if it's well and truly anchored, you can go out along that springboard and you can, if it's in good condition, you can bounce up and down. And then, yeah, you might do a belly flop. You might fail, in which case you drag yourself out and you start again. There's always the risk of failure when you are stepping out in the name of Jesus. But the reality is that once in a while, you just hit the sweet spot and something beautiful, acrobatic and aerobatic and just magnificent happens and it works, it all comes together. Praise God and bless God. And you get that 10. 10, 10, 10. But you have to have that anchored place, that connected group, that connect group. This community of believers, you cannot do this on your own. You're just a lone ranger and easy pickings to the enemy if that's the case. So there we have it then. You know, connect groups. We need to be a people of the word, but doers of the word as well as hearers of the word. We need to be a people who press on into God's presence. We need to be a people who, who are moving out into the community and who are learning to love and being together and modeling the body of Christ. We need to do what comes naturally but has been beaten out of us or trained out of us or spoken out of us so that we might become God's kingdom, his new community here. And with that, I'm going to pray and invite the band up. Why don't we all stay? Thank you. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you to you. Um, You know me, Lord, and you know that if it were not for you, Jesus, 
but also if it were not for the church of Jesus Christ, I would be lost, disconnected, easy pickings. Oh God, I pray a blessing. I pray, Lord God, that you would move among us now. And if we have a resistance to this, or if we have, if we, if we have a bucket full of excuses why we want to just stay private and personal and inward looking, Lord God, just break it now and build your church here, Jesus. For that is said, that is what you have said you will do. And everyone said, Amen.